This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. You know, our topic for this series is called Spiritual Grown-Ups, and we're talking about growing up spiritually. And one thing that every... You know, every child growing up needs to be able to know and have a foundation of is that they are loved, right? That's, that's, that's monumental. That's foundation right there for you to know that you are loved by your father. And so, you know, maybe you didn't have the best relationship with your dad here on earth. And, and, you know, I, I don't know everybody's story, but I do know this is that you have a heavenly father who loves you beyond anything you could ever even, according to scripture, comprehend. And so we need to we need to get a realization of that if we're going to grow up spiritually. But uh, moving on tonight is part three of our series called Spiritual Grownups. And the title tonight is this is a spiritual grown up. They stay focused. Have you ever noticed that children, they don't have a very long attention span? You know, they can I mean, I'll be talking to my kids and like in a one minute conversation, they've done drifted off like five or six times. I mean, especially one of my four. I won't name the little person's name, but I don't want to call him out. But uh, but I mean, the attention span is like not there. He doesn't stay focused very long. And so that's one thing we're working on. But a sign of maturity is when somebody can start a task and complete the task. When somebody can, 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 can begin something and complete it, when they can stay focused on the task at hand. And when we're talking about growing up spiritually, I mean, we see people all the time that, that they may look like they've got it all together, but they can't stay focused on their commitment to God for more than two weeks at a time. And, and I'm telling you, that's an immature Christian. That's not being mean. We just got to call it like it is sometimes. If you make a commitment to God, and well, Jesus said, if you can make a commitment, put your hand to the plow, and then look back, he says, you're not even fit for the kingdom of God. And so, I think that's a lot harsher than what I'm here to say tonight. But what I'm saying is, is if we're going to grow up spiritually and be a mature Christian, we've got to stay focused, man. We can't get distracted all the time and, and oh yeah, count, count me in and then not do it. Or, or man, God, this is it. I'm giving it all to you right now, Jesus. And then, well, except next Sunday, it's the beginning of football season, so I can't, I can't be there for you that day. Or, or, you know, well, I, I wanted to come that night, but some of the guys are getting together and playing cards and I just, I, I don't know, I don't know, man. Listen, stay focused. That's what big people do. They stay focused on what they're doing, and then they mature. These are the people that move forward in life and accomplish great things. And God can accomplish great things through you if you can stay focused on Him, on His Word, and on the commitment that you made to Him. Look out. God's going to do something through you. Amen? Can I get an amen? amen. All right. Do, all right. We're going to get a little excitement back in here. Now, check this out. I was like, I'm going to just shorten this up a little bit since Dad preached a fabulous sermon already. But Dave McNeil came up to me and he said, you know what? Listen here. I want you to preach your full thing, brother. And I don't care what anybody else says. And so if this is too long for you, you go after Dave. <laughs> All right. There we go. There we go. All right. You got my back, Dave. OK, thank you. One Dave to the other. Us Daves, we stick together. There's a there's an unspoken bond. Most people don't know it, but everybody with the name Dave, we get together once a month and we kind of yeah, anyway, you don't know about this. It's the Dave Club. So, uh, but, but check it out. We're gonna, we're gonna get into this here and, and, and see what God's speaking to you tonight. Uh, 
say a quick prayer over this. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, for your word and that it will change our life if we will submit to it. Help us to submit to your word tonight, Lord, so you can have your way in our lives. We praise you for it. In Jesus' name, everybody said... Amen. And so if you're going to stay focused, number one, you have to watch out for distractions. You got to look out for distractions. Have you ever noticed that there's a lot of things in this world that can get your attention and get you off track and distract you from getting to where you need to be? There's distractions all over the place. Let me show you what the book of Proverbs has to say. Proverbs chapter four. And amen. Our goal here is to is to mature spiritually and, and start to grow up into the man or woman that God has called you to be. But Proverbs chapter 4, and, we're, and I was just going to look at verse 25, but I'm going to look at 25 through 27 here. Now check this out. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 25, and we're going to look through verse 27 here. But we, we've got we to stay focused and stay committed to the things that, that God has for us, or you're going to miss out on a whole lot in this life. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 25, it says, Look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. Have you ever noticed that even when you're driving a car, if you start to look, one, you see something on the side of the road or something, you start, you start to, without even knowing, you start to veer that direction. Have you seen that? Anybody? Yeah, it, it happens. You know, I remember when my dad was teaching me to drive and, and, and change lanes, you know, check your blind spot. Well, I would check the blind spot, but as soon as I did, I would just start getting... You know, and, and I started being all over the place. And he's like, no, you got to give it a quick glance before you make the move. Because if you you're, you start, you, you steer yourself, your whole body, your whole life in the direction that you're focusing on, that's where the rest of you is going to go. It follows your head. If your head's going that way, the rest of you is going that way. And Proverbs says, fix your eyes on what lies before you. Because if you're looking back, I mean, you're all over the place. If you're over here, over there, you're a wreck, man. And so it says, fix your eyes on what lies before you. Mark out a straight path for your feet. Stay on the safe path. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. And so it tells us right there to don't get sidetracked. And I've known a great many people that have started off great with God. They, they've started, I mean, on fire and, and full of enthusiasm. They're growing and doing good. But somewhere along the way, they get sidetracked. And next thing you know, they start heading that direction just a little bit, just a little bit. And next thing you know, I mean, they're totally off the path that God has for them. They didn't stay focused. They got sidetracked and they ended up far from what God had for them. And, you know, I, I have, I, back in the day when ho- they would use horses or mules or maybe oxen to plow the fields. I mean, I don't know a lot about farming, but I do know you want straight lines plowed. Amen. You got to get it straight. And so oftentimes they would put these blinders over the mule's eyes, put something to block his peripheral vision so he could only see straight in front of him because they get distracted all the time. They'd see a bunny rabbit over there or a squirrel. You know, they 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 look that way or are they somebody be able to do it. And so the, the mule or the horse would just start walking that way. And the next thing you know, the farmer's fields are wrecked and he's only getting half of the productivity that he could that he needs. Because you got to put and sometimes in our lives, you got to say, Lord, I am setting my face and my eyes straight before me today. There's lots of distractions. I'm putting the blinders on and I'm just looking straight ahead because everyone's trying to get my attention today. You've got to stay focused. 
I've also heard it put this way, that uh, airline pilots, man, well, we, we, you know, Ben, you could probably attest to this a lot more than, you know, he, he is a pilot and all this stuff. But, but I've heard it said that, especially over the course of a couple thousand miles, if the pilot even gets one degree off, just one degree, I mean, by the time he gets to the destination, he could be hundreds of miles off. If he's even just one degree distracted and off over the course of a long journey, you could be, end up far from what your goal was. And so, listen, this life isn't a sprint. It's a marathon. And if you start letting yourself just get one degree off and just slowly heading this way, I mean, the, the destination was supposed to be over there. But by the time you're supposed to be there, I mean, you're way off the path. Because you didn't stay focused. You got distracted and you ended up far from what God had for you. And then these are the people that say, God, I thought you had good plans for my life. I thought you said you were going to bless me. He said, I was, but the road to blessing was over here and you decided to go off that way. This is the road to blessing, the one that's right in front of you. Don't get mad at God because you decided, well, I don't want to really come in. I mean, I want the blessings. I just don't want to obey all of it. I mean, I, I don't know. Listen, don't get mad at God over that. You stay focused and God does have blessings. God does have a great plan for your life. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, for I know the plans I have for you. Their plans to prosper you. Their plans to bring you success. That's God's plans. So why would you try to do it your own way? Stick on his path and watch what he has for you. You know, there's this verse. We, we did a series on this one time. Uh, Song Solomon 2.15. It says, it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. What's that? What does that mean? That means it's the little things in life that come in and can cause havoc in your whole life. I mean, we're all on, you know, standby for some massive big thing coming in. OK, I'm ready. I'll, you know, if the devil just straight up knocks on my door with a cape and a pitchfork and horns, I'll be ready. for. Well, yeah, that would be obvious. But he doesn't come in that way. It's the little things. It, he, it's little distractions. It's little fiery darts from the wicked one that come in and get to people a little bit. Man, if he knocked on your door and said, I'm the devil. Can I come in? You guys are dead tonight. <laughs> Seriously. I mean, I'm laying my best stuff out there. You Wake up, all right? Listen, if the devil knocked on your door with a red cape and a pitchfork and horns and said, Hi, I'm Satan. May I come in? Would you let him into your home? I would say not. But listen, that's not the way he shows up. He shows up unexpected in little areas. Solomon said it's the little fox. It's little. You don't even see it coming. And next thing you know, it says he said it spoils the grapevine, spoils the vineyard of love. He comes in and wrecks the whole thing. But listen, that's why you've got to stay focused, man. You've got to be on your A game. You've got to be ready all the time and, and, and get with it. This is what a mature adult does. This is what a spiritual grown up does. They keep their focus. So look out for the distractions, man. Distractions will tear you off course for what God has. Look at Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. And so, amen. Sometimes it's not sinful things that distract us. So you're thinking, Okay, all right, you know, I mean, I'm ready for the sinful. And I mean, it could be, but sometimes there's things that, that it may be a good thing, but it's just not a God thing for you right now. And, and this could be something that comes in. It's not a sinful thing, but it's not the most necessary thing at the moment. And it can distract you from what God really has for you. 
It's the little foxes. Luke chapter 10. Uh, starting here at verse 38, Luke chapter 10, verse 38, it says, as Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed them into her home. Now, her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he taught. That sounds pretty nice. Look at this. But Martha was what? She was distracted. Proverbs just said, oh, don't get distracted. You stay focused. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. That, that, I mean, well, let's, let's break this down for a second. That does seem a little bit rude, doesn't it? I mean, look. Here we are. Jesus is there and Martha's she she's cooking. She's cleaning. She's setting the table and Mary's just sitting there at the feet of Jesus. Tell me another story. Wow. And and, and she she's not doing anything to help. So I would expect I mean, hey, Jesus is a fair guy. I would expect Jesus to say, yeah, she really she's right, Mary. You you should that, that, that it's a little you, you should help your help your sister out. Come on. But what does Jesus say? Look at this. Check this out. Verse 41. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it and it will not be taken away from her. And so, listen, was it bad that Martha was cooking dinner for Jesus? That's a good thing. man. There's nothing sinful about cooking dinner for Jesus. He loved to eat. All right. He was he loved to eat. But but was it bad that Martha was cleaning the house and setting the nothing bad about that at all? But it wasn't the most important thing at the time. And in fact, the word of God even says she was distracted by all these things. Dinner's good. It's got to happen. Cleaning the house. Good. Got to happen. But there's something even more important. That, and Jesus said, listen, Martha, you're upset over all these details. This is just they're just details. Mary has chosen the most important thing. And I'm not going to take that away from her. Listen, if you've got the chance to have time with Jesus or clean the house, that's a good thing. I'm picking Jesus every time. If I've got the chance to to spend time with Jesus or listen to your gossip, if I got time to spend with Jesus or watch the news, if I've got to pick between Jesus and something else, Jesus wins every time because the other stuff may be good, but it's not the most necessary thing at the time, is it? You got to look out for distractions. And, and that's exactly what happened to Martha right here. She got distracted with stuff and Jesus said, no, 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 no. I'm not taking this away from Mary. She picked the most important thing right now and I'm not taking that away from her. And so in our lives, if you're going to grow up and mature, you've got to realize that this is this uh, is this just a good thing or is this a God thing? What is the most necessary thing right now? You've got to be able to discern between that because immature people, they, they don't know. I mean, it may be obvious to you as a mature adult, but for little kids, they really just don't know if it'd be more mature to eat Skittles right now or to wait for dinner to be cooked. I mean, to them, they have no idea. Like, what do I do? This is, I, I don't, I, I really don't know right now because they just can't reason. And spiritually immature people, they can't reason either. They go, like, well, I mean, yeah, Bible time sounds good, but this guy's a Christian. We should go play some football. That's probably just as good. No, that's a fine thing to do. But the necessary thing is to spend time with Jesus right now. And I think of sometimes I get get deep in my thoughts sometimes. And I, I was thinking uh, kind of about this. And the first thing that came to mind was the movie Dumb and Dumber. 
And so, I, yeah. So as I'm thinking about this, you know, uh, Harry and Lloyd are down to their last couple of dollars. And so Harry sends Lloyd to the stories like these are our last couple of dollars, only the necessities. We are out of money after this. And so sure enough, you see him two minutes later with a pinwheel, a giant cowboy hat and a bag of potato chips. And to him, it made perfect sense because he's really dumb and immature. And, and, and you know, uh, then the, the change that he has gets stolen, too. I mean, anyway, but, but here we are and, and we laugh at something like that. But this guy, he was so immature that he couldn't see the necessities were not a giant cowboy hat, a pinwheel and a bag of potato chips. That's not that's those are fine enough things. But it's not the necessary thing. You've got to look out for distractions, man. I see people that are distracted all throughout their life. They're all over the place. They get distracted every day. And I'm not I'm not being mean. It's sad to look at that because they're just they're like a cat chasing its tail, man, running in circles their whole life. They're not getting anywhere with God because they're just distracted all the time. We can't be like that. We can't be like that. We've got to get to the place where we can focus on the word of God and on Jesus and on what he's called us to do. So you, number one, you got to avoid distractions. Number two, you don't quit when things get hard. You don't quit just because things get hard. And, and again, that's something that little kids do. They're just not mature enough. Like, well, it's really hard to tie my shoes. I'm just going to quit even trying right now. Well, they've got to learn that, no, you can't quit that. Or, man, I started these piano lessons, but this isn't as fun as I thought it would be. I'm just going to quit. That's a sign of immaturity. As a mature adult, you finish what you start. Amen. Have you learned that, adults? Yeah, you finish what you start. And so there's this saying that, that that I've always loved, but it says, tough times don't last, but tough people do. Don't just quit because things get hard. Tough times don't last forever, but tough people do. And there's a lot of people, that, oh, man, this is harder than I thought. I'm just, you know, just going to quit and try something else. Listen, that's immaturity. That's not how we do it. That's, you're not going to get anywhere because you can't move forward to the next level in life until you pass this test. You don't, you're not going to get promoted by God until you pass the current situation. That's the way it works. And so tough times don't last forever, but tough people endure through the circumstances. Let me show you a verse here, Galatians 6, 9. Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. We're looking at this in the King James Version here. Galatians 6, verse 9. And this is one that a lot of us are familiar with. You can probably quote this one to me. But Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. And this is one that you need to know if you don't already have yourself familiar with this. You need to know Galatians 6, 9, no doubt about that. Galatians 6, 9 says, And let us not be weary in well-doing. In due season we shall reap if we faint not. In due season, I mean, that's good news right there, isn't it? So you mean to tell me all I have to do is not give up and I will reap a harvest if I don't give up? Yeah, that's it. Follow God, obey God, and if you don't give up, you will reap a harvest. It's that simple. But a lot of people, they, they're like, oh, I'm getting tired of this, man. I'm just forget this. And, and they give up, man. And due season never comes for their life. And then yet again, as I already said, then you got someone mad at God. Well, how you said in your word, listen to me, man, you, you gave up. You didn't stick with it. Yes, due season was right there. God had a blessing in store for you, but you gave up and walked away from him. Don't get mad at him. He told you what to do. He said, just don't give up and I'll get it to you. 
Just don't give up and I'll get it to you. Due season will happen if you faint not. But a lot of people, they just can't stay focused. They're like, well, I don't know. I mean, I know it says that, but it's, I haven't seen it, so it must not be real. So every part of the Bible that just hasn't happened to you yet means that it's not real. You're saying that your experience is more powerful than the written word of God. And, you're, and you may not think that way, but seriously, if you say, well, I know the word says this, but in my experience, it's been like this. You're now taking your experience as more powerful and more true than the word of God. There's been things that I've prayed for. And it seems like the opposite things happen, but I don't have the audacity to say, well, God, I know you said that, but this is what happened. What happened? You, I don't have the I don't have the guts to say that to God. I really don't. All I know. is, Well, listen, your word said it. So I still believe that your word is true over my situation and my experience. I must have gone wrong somewhere. I mean, knowing me, I probably fouled it up somewhere along the way. But hey, I know this much. The word of God is true. Let God be true. And every man a liar, every situation a liar. If God's word says he loves me, then he loves me. If God's word says he wants me blessed, then I believe that. And even if that hasn't happened yet, guess what? I believe the word of God over me and over my experience and my situation any day of the week because he's true. He doesn't lie. He cannot lie, Titus 1-2 tells us. And so I'm telling you, got to stay focused and stick with the word of God. Another quote that I like is winners never quit and quitters never win. Winners don't quit. It's not what they do. I was watching this show the other day on the TV called American Tarzan. Yeah, I know. I know. It's like you think I have better things to do with my time, but it's, you know, I don't want to do anything else. So, so I'm watching this show and it's basically this big group of people. They put on this crazy deserted island out in the middle of, uh, it's off the coast of South America. Anyway, so their job is to get from one side to the other. It starts off with 10 and they've got to like climb mountains and leap waterfalls and, you know, all these crazy things. And so there's a bunch of people that are in great shape, but, but a bunch of them, they, surprisingly, they give up. They're like, I can't climb this vine. I'm just, I guess I'm going to quit and go home. But there's this one guy, he was a force recon Marine. And so along the way, and I mean, there's these guys that they're, you know, they're sprinters and they're a lot faster than him. This one person was a professional climber. They could climb better. This guy broke his ankle towards the end of the race. But guess what? He still ended up finishing the thing and all these other people quit. He made his own splint and, and, and climbed this mountain and ran three miles up this mountain and, and crossed a waterfall and swung through a vine and all this crazy stuff. And I'm like, he broke his stinking ankle. How, how did he finish? Well, winners don't quit. They don't quit. Even if it hurts really, really bad, they push through the pain and they make it happen anyway and they don't quit. And there's a lot of people that probably could have won that. They were faster and all this other stuff, but they quit. Part of the key of success in our lives is simply just don't quit. The Bible tells us, listen, just, all you have to do is not quit. Just don't quit on God. Obey his word, of course, but just don't quit. That's it, man. And God's going to make something great happen in your life. If you won't give up and quit, you shall reap in due season. It's, I mean, it is seriously not rocket science. But a lot of us, we just keep getting distracted and wandering off. And we're not making fun of us tonight, but we're just saying, stay focused. Stay focused. 
We've got to stay focused. We can't keep getting off task. And so winners don't quit. Anyone who's ever been successful at something didn't get there by being a quitter. We've all heard, you know, Thomas Edison, you know, but it's true. Tried thousands of times to, you know, on getting the right light bulb that would sustain and stay on. And and he found thousands of ways. Someone said, why don't you just give up, man? He's like, oh, no, no, no. There, there's there's one right way to do this. I found the 3000 wrong ways. All I've got to do is one time find the right way and I'm going to be a success. And maybe you feel like, well, I found the 3000 wrong ways to do life. That's it. All you got to do is find the right way and not quit. And you're going to be a success. But but successful people, they most of them did not get there just because it was handed to them. They scratched and clawed and fought their way and didn't give up when a whole lot of other people gave up. They just didn't quit. Maybe they weren't the best. Maybe they weren't the best looking, the, 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 the smartest, the brightest, the strongest. But they were the guy that just didn't quit when everybody else did. And guess what? Here they are now. And they're a huge success because they stayed Focus. Say it with me. Stay focused. It's not that hard of a thing. And so we got to remember to push through it. And I, and I was thinking about a lot of the great people in history. I, I do weird things. I've been reading about the Revolutionary War lately. I don't know why. It's just been intriguing. So it's just what I do. I, and so I've been reading about this. And you know, I'm thinking, man, it really looked like we were going to lose this thing, guys. We really looked like we were going to lose this thing. And so, you know, you know, if you know your history, but George Washington, he's got a really bad situation on his hands. They're spending this winter out there in Valley Forge. I mean, guys are dying every day left. They're freezing. They're dying of disease and 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 I mean, contamination. They don't have food and all this stuff. It seriously looked like we were going to lose this thing. Looked like those British were going to come in and just clobber us, man. And they were. But George Washington somehow did not give up. He saw a chance through it all. But I'm thinking, what if this was a guy that was prone to distractions? What if George Washington was a guy that was just a quitter when things got tough? And, he, and, I, and I'm thinking to myself, thank you, Jesus, that George Washington didn't quit. We'd all be drinking tea right now and talking with a strange accent. Do you realize how bad that would be? No offense to my British, you know, we got some, I mean, you know. But anyway, I mean, we could really be screwed up right now, but we're Americans, thank God for that. And so, but but what if George Washington had been a quitter? What if George Washington, what if he had been distracted? Say, I mean, I started, the, I, I did, you know, I accepted the position to be the leader of the army for this, but... I'm kind of not into that. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of feeling led to go a different way. I'm kind of wanting to get into the music scene right now. I mean, you know, what if he what if he decided to try his hand at something different in the middle of the battle? So what, man? Things would have turned out a whole lot different. And so I thank God for people that don't get distracted. I thank God for people that don't quit even though they want to. I thank God for people that make a commitment and stick with it. I thank God for people like that because that's why we're here right now. And sometimes, and I'll, I will admit this in front of everybody, I'm an easily distracted guy. I catch myself, you know, someone, you know, in a long conversation. I mean, I start thinking about football sometimes. I have caught myself thinking about fish tacos. I, I've caught myself uh, doing all kinds of stuff. But, you know, I've got, as I've matured and got older, I've, 
I've, I've got this ability now to reel it back in and, and continue, but I have had to overcome a lot of easily distraction issues, okay? And so I know that it's possible, and I mean, I've been there five o'clock in the morning, got my coffee and my Bible, and I start reading the Bible, and, and I'm reading, but my mind is totally thinking about something else. And I've got to the place now, and you know, within the last couple of years or so, where I've been able to say, well, no, 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 let's read that again. God's God's talking to me right now. Why would I listen to something else? Why would I think this is God Almighty right now in my living room having a conversation with me? How rude to to think about basketball right now. That's 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 pathetic. And so I'll get back. I'm like, okay, we're gonna read this again. And sometimes I'll read it several times. I get it to where I'm not distracted, and I finish that chapter, and I comprehended every single thing that I read. And and I'm just I'm encouraging you if you're someone and like, well, I got to do my Bible duty this morning. We are. Proverbs 3, okay. And, and you're not thinking about it at all? Listen. First of all, it's rude to God because the Bible, the Word of God is Jesus. It says himself, this is Jesus. So it's pretty rude to not listen when Jesus is talking to you. But the second hand, man, this, this can change your life. It's alive and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. I need this. This is my life source, right? I die without this thing. Do you get that? That I die without this right here. This is the most important thing in this world to me. And so I'm going to spend time with Jesus every day. And when distractions come in, I'm going to say, no, even if I have to read this really slow, word by little word, I'm going to pay attention to what Jesus is saying to me right now. I am not going to be distracted. And, and that's just a testimony in my life of maturity. Maybe you've never had that problem. Maybe you're the only one. That's fine. But listen, we've got to get to the place where we can tune out distractions so God can really speak to us. Second Corinthians chapter eight, verse 11. Second Corinthians chapter eight, verse 11. Amen. Now, no one's falling asleep tonight, right? All right. Because tonight would be the night for us to call you out. I've always wanted to do this. Back row. All right, you guys good? All right. All right. Just, hey, you're, just, you're on notice. If, any, if anyone dozes, we're putting the lights on you tonight. Second Corinthians 8, verse 11. Paul writing says this. Now you should finish what you started. That's a pretty good word right there. Now you should finish what you started. Let the eagerness you showed in the beginning be matched now by your giving, given proportion to what you have. And so this chapter is about giving their collecting an offering for the church in Jerusalem. They were in bad financial shape. And so Paul's collecting an offering. And at first everyone's going, oh, yeah, man, let's help these guys out. There's the church of Jerusalem. These are our brothers. Send them. Some, yeah, we're taking them an offering. And Paul says, finish what you started. Y'all were eager to help at first, and now you're kind of backing off. And so Paul said, you made a commitment, finish it. You stay with, stay with what you started, finish what you started. And I know for our lives, we gotta take a look in the mirror and say, am I finishing what I started? Am I keeping my commitments? Now again, this isn't a night to make us feel bad. This is a night to help us grow up a little bit. And sometimes growing hurts. There's the thing called growing pains where you're getting stretched and it hurts a little bit. But where does the word being real with you tonight? You've got to keep your commitments to God because it's a serious thing. When you commit to God about something, 
And then, I mean, if you committed to, you know, work in the church nursery, I'm, you know, this, I'm, this is you, but anyone that you said, no, yeah, I'll, I can handle one Sunday a month. And then you don't show up. I mean, hey, that's not cool, dude. You didn't make a commitment to High Desert Word Center or to, to Deseret. You made a commitment to Jesus that, hey, I'm going to go up there and teach your babies, Jesus. I'm going to go up there and love on your little babies, Jesus, for a couple hours. I'm going to change their diapers and give them a juice box if they needed Jesus. And then you didn't and then you didn't do it. Let's get real here. That is super not cool. You made a commitment and you didn't keep it to Jesus. And so this is just something for us to think about. And that's point number three. Number three is complete the job that Jesus gave you. Talking about staying focused, complete the job that Jesus gave you. And Paul said, listen, you should finish what you started. Let that eagerness you had in the beginning carry through until you finish this out. Keep your commitments. Don't leave a job halfway done. Finish what you start. Think about it this way. How bad would it be if Noah only built half an ark? Not good. Half of a boat doesn't float. You got to have the full thing, man. I mean, again, I'm not nautical. I don't know all these things, but but I do know that the vessel is not water worthy. If it's only halfway there, it will capsize and water will come in. And what if Noah got tired halfway through? I, I know I made this commitment, but I mean, I've been doing this for a super long time now and I still don't see any rain. You know what? Build your own boat. Look like a fool out here. What what if he had taken that direction and left the boat halfway done? Things would not have turned out the way that they did. I'm just saying, what if Jesus was like, I'm going to die for these people, but only so they can get to heaven. I'm not providing peace, joy, love, self, you know, anything else. Only a ticket to heaven. No, man, we showed you last week. Salvation is the deluxe package. Salvation is more than just a ticket out of hell. It's peace. It's joy. It's love. It's so you can be blessed. He even promised health. All these things is what the full salvation package is if you break down the Greek word. But check it out. What if Jesus said, eh, I don't know, man. I just, it's not, it's not really my thing. I'm not, I'm not getting those vibes today. You know what I mean? It's just, I'm not really feeling it right now. You know, and, 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 and what if, I mean, halfway through, what if he was hanging up there and he said, if I want, I could ask God to send 12 legions of angels to rescue me. And that's 72,000 angels. Think about that. And Jesus, all he had to do was say the word and 72,000 angels would come, blast everybody, get him off the cross, go home, call it a day. Jesus was committed. I mean, I know we're quiet tonight. We're kind of the frozen, chosen, you know, but, but could you at least give me this, oh, holy Pentecostals? Who's glad that Jesus stayed committed to the cross? Who's glad that Jesus said, no, I, I said I was going to, I am going to do this thing. Even the night before, he says he was praying, said, Father, if there be any other way, but not my will, thy will be done. What if Jesus wasn't truly in this thing for the long haul? Guess what? Our lives would super stink right now, man. My life, I'd be, I would have been dead at three, not that much get healed in the name of Jesus from cancer. So that's a given. I wouldn't be here. Neither would my kids and all this stuff. But where would you be if Jesus hadn't kept his commitment? I honestly, I don't want to think because I can't fathom five seconds without Jesus in my life. That's beyond my 
comprehension. I don't even know what that would be like. And I don't care to know what that would be like. But listen to me. Jesus kept his commitment because Jesus, we love him. He's mature. If he says he's going to do it, he's going to do it. If Jesus says, you can count on me to do this, I know, hey, it's in the bank. It's done. I consider it a done deal. Jesus said that he was going to do this for me. It's done. All, all I have to do is sit here and stay in faith and not give up. It's going to happen. I, if I don't grow weary and well-doing, I shall reap in due season if I faint not. That's all that I have to do right now. And listen, it's like that. Just don't give up. Don't get distracted. Thank God that Jesus didn't get distracted on his way to the cross that day. Man, he's carrying the cross up there. And he's like, wait a minute. No. Oh, hey, what? Fish talk? Hold on. Take this. No. He kept his commitment and he didn't let himself get distracted. And he's our example in everything we do. Jesus gave us his best. God gave his best. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That anyone who believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. God gave the best that he had for us. And I feel convicted that sometimes I give half-baked stuff back to God. You know, maybe I don't give it my all when I preach that day. Maybe he told me to pray for someone. And, you know, God bless them. You know, and maybe I didn't serve in the nursery like I should have that day. Maybe I told God, yeah, I'll, I'll vacuum. I'll, I'll vacuum the church. And I came in and I didn't give it my all. Let's just, I mean, think about it. Mature Christians, and we're all we're all guilty at different points. But but let's just let's just keep it this way. When we make a commitment to God, we don't do it half baked. He didn't, he didn't send me a half-baked savior. He didn't send me, you know, you know, some other guy. He sent Jesus. He sent Jesus, man. The best that he had, the only one that he had. It's not like he had to just, well, I'll just pick one of my other sons. Jesus is my favorite. No, he picked his only begotten son. And then for me to come in and give Jesus halfway, I, I mean, I, we're not talking about this tonight, but I don't get why I wouldn't tithe. Why in the world would I have an issue with giving God 10% of money? Why? I, that, is, that is beyond me, man. How is that even an issue when he gave 100% of his Jesus? When he gave 100%, Jesus gave it all. And I say, I love you, but I'm not, I'm not that much. I mean, that's money. We're talking, we're talking about money here. It's more important than giving Jesus a commitment. That giving Jesus your very best? I mean, that's not a mature Christian right there. And so when we make a commitment, we got to keep him, man, especially to Jesus. If you said, no, I'll come clean your house, Lord. I'll, I'll come watch those babies. I'll come over there. I'll teach that class. I'll, I'll do that. I'll, I'll serve that. I'll, yeah, I'll, you, I'll do it, Jesus. I'm just saying, keep the commitment to Jesus because he kept it to us. Lord, this year I'm going to work on praying every morning for five minutes. If you made that commitment, keep it. Jesus, I know last year I didn't give you so much time. This year I'm committing to give you 10 minutes of every morning. And for some people, that's not very much time. Well, if you're used to zero, 10 minutes is a big leap. Don't make fun of that person. If they said, I'm committing my first 10 minutes of the day to Jesus, and you made that commitment, keep it. He's looking forward to it, man. He wants to spend time with you. If you made a commitment to him, keep it. No matter what it is, whether it's at church, in your personal life, at home, keep your commitments to Jesus because he kept his commitment 
to you. Give him your very best stuff. The last thing I'll show you is 2 Timothy 4, verses 6 and 7. We're talking about growing up spiritually and being a spiritual adult. So you're not someone that's 75 years old, but spiritually you're two years old. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. And I'm glad that Paul didn't quit. I'll tell you that right now. Here's another guy that I have all the respect in the world for is the Apostle Paul. He had plenty of chances to quit, but he never did. And I mean, it cost him his life in the end, but it was worth it all. Second Timothy four, verses six and seven. Second Timothy is the very last letter that Paul ever wrote. He's in jail. You read the thing the whole way out. He keeps telling you like, hey, the time of my departure is at hand. I'm getting Timothy. I'm getting ready to die. You will never hear from me again. And I mean, and so it's kind of a somber letter. There's a, it's a heavy letter to read. It's, it's really interesting. But look at some of Paul's last written words. Second Timothy four verses six and seven. He says, as for me, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. That's code for I'm getting ready to die for Jesus. That's my offering to him. He says the time of my death is near. Look at this. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race and I have remained faithful. I mean, if you can say that at the end of your life, I don't care if at the end of my life I say, well, Jesus, I, I made a hundred million dollars. I'm satisfied. Jesus, I did this and this. I climbed, you know, Mount Whitney. I, I climbed. I mean, that would all be fine stuff to say. But Paul said, I finished the course. And I remained faithful. I, Jesus, I gave you my best and I never quit. Isn't that a beautiful thing to be able to say at the end of your life? To say, I, I wasn't easy, but Jesus, the time of my death, it's, it's near, it's coming. But I've remained faithful. I finished my race and I, I never quit. I never gave up on you, Jesus. Paul reached an extreme level of maturity that I don't, a few people could attain to without this whole commitment to Jesus. But Paul got there because he didn't get distracted with the things of this world. He didn't get distracted by money and, and you know, bigger house than so-and-so, a better car than this guy, and, and, and this and this. No, he stayed committed. And because he did, it's affected us in a great big way. Who's been affected by, I mean, I've been affected by Paul's writings from what Jesus, you know, had him write. It's affected my life in a huge way and all of you guys too. And so my encouragement tonight is this. If we're going to be spiritually mature, we've got to get past the place of just quitting, giving up, losing focus, distracted. We've got to be able to, as Proverbs said, just, just look straight ahead. Eyes on the prize. Bring your A game. Eyes on the prize. Don't give up. That's a mature Christian. Amen. All right, let's go ahead and stand up tonight. We're going to we'll call it quits there. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.